بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد So today we shall begin with our study of al-hadith al-khamis al-ishroon hadith number 25 in the collection of Imam al-Nawi's 40 hadith The hadith it is the hadith of Rabbi Dharr radiallahu ta'ala anhu أن أناسا من أصحاب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قالوا للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم that a group from the Sahaba from the companions they said to the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم ذهب أهل الدثور بالأجور they said that the people of wealth the wealthy people they've taken the reward they've gone off with the reward يصلون كما نصلي وَيَسُومُونَ كَمَا نَسُومُ They pray as we pray. يعني they, they pray. The salawat. We pray. And they fast like we fast. وَيَتَصَدَّقُونَ بِفُضُولِ أَمْوَالِهِمْ But they give in charity using their extra wealth. قَالَ أَوَلَيْسَ قَدْ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ مَا تَصَدَّقُونَ the messenger he then said, Has not Allah given you? Has not Allah given you? That which you can give in charity with? Inna bi kulli tasbihatin sadaqa Wa kulli takbiratin sadaqa Wa kulli tahmidatin sadaqa Wa kulli tahlilatin sadaqa Indeed, the messenger he continues, In every tasbiha, In every statement of saying subhanallah there is a sadaqah it is a sadaqah every takbirah when a person says allahu akbar sadaqah when a person says alhamdulillah sadaqah in every tahlilah when a person says la ilaha illallah sadaqah wa amrun bima'roofin sadaqah wa nahyun anil munkari sadaqah commanding with good sadaqah it's a sadaqah forbidding an evil it's a sadaqah وَفِي بُضْعِ أَحَدِكُمْ صَدَقَةً And when one of you engages in intimate relations, then it's a sadaqah. قَالُوا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ أَيَأْتِ أَحَدُنَا شَهْوَتَهُ وَيَكُونُ لَهُ فِيهَا أَجَرٌ The companions, they said, O Messenger of Allah, does one of us fulfill his desires, his intimate and he, uh, and he engages in intimate relations. One of us fulfills his desires and he is rewarded for it. The messenger said, Do you see that if he had placed it, placed his desires in haram, then would there not be a sin on him? Would he not be sinful for that? Then likewise, if he placed it, in halal, then he shall be rewarded for it. Hadith is recorded by Imam Muslim. So this hadith, its explanation, the explanation of Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Abad, it's divided into four parts. Four brief parts. The final part being a summary of the benefits. So part number one, Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Abad, he is highlighting that the companions of the Messenger of Allah, alayhi salatu wasalam, they were the most keen of people in attaining good 
They were the most keen of people in attaining good and that they would compete, race and compete in doing righteous deeds, race and compete against each other in righteous deeds. And they would love وَيُحِبُّ بَعْضُهُمْ أَنْ يَلْحَقْ فِي بِمَنْ سَبَقَهُ مِنْهُمْ If it was the case that a companion knows that somebody else has done a righteous deed by which he can attain a certain reward from Allah, he wants to do the same thing. He wants to attain the same thing. When the companions, Ridwan Allah Ta'ala alayhi, when they came to the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, why is Shaykh Abdul Mushtaqba saying this? Because if you look at the early part of the hadith, companions, they came up to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasalam and they said, Oh Prophet of Allah, the wealthy people, they have gone off with the reward. They've taken the reward. And that shows the mentality that they had. That their mentality was different to the mentality of people today. The companions thought of wealthy people. We or people today think of wealthy people. But the impact that that thought has on us is different. The impact that the thought of other people being wealthy had upon the Sahaba. We think about wealthy people or people today think about wealthy people and they'll think how he has beaten me, how she has beaten me, getting a nicer house, getting a nicer car, and being able to get better medicine, and being able to live in a more better uh, estate, how, he, how she is able to get more be better clothes than me, better jewelry than me, and so on and so forth, how he is able to spend upon his kids and have a nice wedding for his children and, and so on and so forth that's how perhaps some of us, some of us may, may think when we think about wealthy people or at least people today perhaps how they think about wealth when they think of wealthy people how those wealthy people have beaten them in attaining the dunya but the companions no, different mentality wealthy people, so and so he's got wealth so and so he's got wealth, he's beaten me beaten me at what? beaten me at getting more camels and more horses and no they've beaten us at getting the the reward the ajar the reward from allah in the afterlife so their mentality was totally different to many people today many from the muslimun today sahabas their nadriya their nadriya their outlook on life was ukhrawiya they had a nadratun ukhrawiya they had a a perspective on life related and connected to the afterlife. When they looked at life, they saw how it was connected to the afterlife. When they saw things within the realm of this world, they saw how it was connected to the afterlife. Whereas people today, when they look at this world, then they look at it with a nadriyatun dunyawiyah. Muslimun I'm talking about. Many Muslims today, when they look at this world and what they can achieve in this world, and it's confined to the material value that this world has. And not in terms of the benefits, or not in terms of the things that a person can use in his dunya to attain a better life once he leaves this world. So this is what Shaykh Abdul Muhtarad is saying. That the companions they were very, very keen about getting good, getting reward, competing with each other, beating each other in the race of attaining, of attaining reward.
نعم ولهذا ذكر جماعة من فقراء أصحاب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ومشاركتهم للأغنياء بالصلاة والصيام So now the Sahaba they have found that the rich people they are the same as they are in many deeds they are the same as they are as far as the deed of prayer is concerned meaning I have a potential I the poor Sahabi has a potential to pray so and so the wealthy Sahabi he has a potential to pray as well I have the potential to fast he has the potential to fast so both of us we have it is what is accessible to him to do as far as attaining reward is accessible for him as well what is access accessible for me is accessible for him but now he's got wealth he has much more wealth than I do and therefore he is able to give in charity and attain reward which I can't so when the Sahaba mentioned this to the Prophet then the Messenger والسلام, he clarified to them that there are different forms of sadaqat. Now there are different forms of sadaqat. Some, um, among, among those forms are those that the poor people can also do, yani give. There are other forms of charity that the poor people can also uh, uh, do. Such as making adhkar, such as commanding with good, such as forbidding evil. So this is the first part of Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad Shah. That essentially the Sheikh is saying, the Sahaba, they were very keen people. They were people that were very serious about getting reward. They would race each other in getting reward. And they would want to beat each other in being able to, in being able to get reward. And thus they had this type of anxiety, apprehension about whether or not they can beat the, poor, the, beat the rich people. And the Messenger ﷺ clarified to them that they can because sadaqah, it is broad. The field of sadaqah, the field of giving charity, it is broad, it is, it is expansive. And among them are other forms other than wealth that even the poor people can engage in, such as adhkar and يعني, amar, amar bil ma'ruf wa nahi anil munkar. Tamam. Part number two. الصدقات التي أرشد النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الفقراء إلى الإتيان بها تنقسم إلى قسمين. So if you notice here the صدقات the different forms of charity that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم directed his companions to do they can be split into two categories. Charity is broad, isn't just limited. And restricted to giving charity by using wealth. That's the asal, but that is, it's not limited to that. It's broad. And it can be split, charity can be split into two parts. Qasirah, that which is limited form of charity, a restricted form of charity. And the second is muta'addiya. Um, where, whereby the charity there are not only you benefit from it but others benefit from it as well so others are the recipients of the benefit of whatever you give in charity so for example as far as the first category is concerned those sadaqat that, that are 
qatira that are restricted and those sadaqat that you give that charity that you give on behalf of yourself the charity that you give on behalf of yourself you are char- you, you are being you are being charitable to yourself you are being charitable to yourself such as tasbih and tahleel and whatever the Messenger mentioned such as the azkar when a person engages in adhkar, in dhikr, he's being charitable to himself. He's increasing himself in good deeds. He is therefore doing what he can in order to save himself from the fire of hell. He's doing what he can in order to place himself into, into paradise. So that there is a sadaqah, qasirah, a restricted, limited, a limited form of charity. Considered charity. As per the text, tasbih, tahleel, all of this is considered charity. The Messenger والسلام, when he said in every tasbih, in every tahleel, in every takbir, to the end of the hadith, in all of these things that is sadaqah, he, wasn't, he, didn't, he did not mean by way of this that sadaqah is these five things here. Tasbih, takbir, tahleel, uh, tahmeed, and amr bil ma'roof and nahi anil munkar. The reason why the Messenger والسلام, mentioned these was just by way of example. He mentioned these just by way of example. What was he trying to establish? That all forms of good are sadaqah. These are just examples that the Messenger والسلام, is giving us. The underlying principle behind it is that all forms of good is sadaqah. In fact, there is a hadith in Sahih Muslim. Kullu ma'roof in sadaqah. All ma'roof, all acts of goodness, all acts of goodness are, are sadaqah. In this particular hadith, the Messenger والسلام, mentioned these just by way uh, of an example. And so, as we mentioned, there are those that are qasira, limited to yourself. The benefit of that sadaqah is limited to yourself. Meaning, you are giving the sadaqah, you are giving the sadaqah upon yourself. Tasbiha upon, tasbih, the tasbiha and the takbira is for you, so that you are saved on the day of judgment. So that you are admitted into paradise. So that you are saved from the fire of hell. As for the second category, that sadaqah which is muta'addiyah, that sadaqah where others are the recipients of the benefits of that sadaqah, then that is, uh, among the, among, an example of that would be uh, removing something harmful from the road. Sadaqah. A person helping someone in some type of physical, some type of physical help that he needs. That's a sadaqah. A person uh, uh, making uh, a goodly statement to somebody, saying something nice to your Muslim brother. That's a sadaqah. Smiling in the face of your brother. That's a sadaqah. And it's a sadaqah that is muta'addiyah. It's a sadaqah where others are the recipients of the benefit of that charity. Charity that's not got anything to do with wealth. It's got nothing to do with money. It's got nothing to do with anything material. Smiling at the face of your brother. There is nothing that you're giving him in terms of material value. Uh, saying a goodly statement, a nice statement to your brother, your Muslim brother, that's got no type of material value associated with it at all. But it's a, it's a sadaqah, it's a charity, a charity that is muta'addiyah, a charity that whereby somebody else is the recipient of the benefit of that charity. Tamam. Part number three. 
انما ياتيه الانسان من المباحات التي فيها حظ للنفس تكون قربه بالنيه الصالحه we've spoken about this matter before in um, our discussion of الحديث الاول انما الاعمال بالنيات the first hadith actions are based upon their intentions the sheikh is saying that those permitted actions those mubahat uh, permitted actions those actions that in and of themselves are not acts of worship and in and of themselves they are not haram they are just mubah permitted allowed such as drinking such as eating such as sleeping such as exercising such as as it's been mentioned in this hadith engaging in intimate relations those type of things that are mubah that are just permitted not haram not wajib just permitted you're not going to be rewarded for it and you're not going to be punished for it those type of things that a person engages in if he engages in them with a niyyah salihah with a righteous intention then he can be rewarded for it so now for example a person he uh, as far as this matter is concerned sheikh abdul muhsin abadi says the one who fulfills his desires his yani carnal desires the one who fulfills those desires of his intending by way of that to keep himself uh, yani, uh, free from sin and safeguard himself from sin and likewise to safeguard his family from sin yani to, be, yani to be chaste and likewise he has the intention of attaining children by way of this intimate act then as a result of that he is rewarded for engaging in that intimate in that intimate act we've mentioned other examples before like for example a person who goes to sleep sleeping is something that is mubah once you go to bed you put the duvet on you put your head against the pillow you're not being rewarded for it you're not being punished for it however once you go to bed once you put the duvet on you once you put the put your head on the pillow before you knock out before you before you go to sleep you have the intention ya allah i want to be rewarded for this sleep i intend by way of this sleep nothing other than to be re-energized so that, I, so that when I wake up I have strength to worship you in the rest of the day with that niyyah with that righteous intention then that sleep of yours all of those hours that you're on the bed is considered ibadah it is considered worship and you are rewarded for it eh, but it has to be with the, the ulama say it has to be with with the intention تمام نمبر 4 مما يستفاد من الحديث what the benefits that are derived from this hadith شيخ عبد المحسن عبادي mentions 8 points we'll mention them and then we'll go on to hadith number 26 so number 1 from this hadith we learn how keen the, uh, the companions were in doing righteous deeds and in competing in doing good number 1 we learn how the companions were very keen about doing righteous deeds and competing with each other in attaining all of that good number two number two that charity is not 
limited and restricted, confined to charity with, with wealth. Number two, charity is not limited to just being charitable with wealth, even though that is the asr, that's the foundation. The term charity, when you hear of it, the first thing that comes to mind is what? Wealth and those things that have material value to it. But that is, it's not limited to that. Number three, this narration in it is an encouragement to make tasbih and takbir and tahmeed and tahleel. In this hadith is an encouragement to make tasbih and takbir and tahmeed and tahleel. Yani to say subhanallah, Allahu Akbar, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah. And that uh, these are a sadaqah from a Muslim upon himself. This is a sadaqah that a Muslim does upon him own self. Number four, from this hadith and, what's ha and this uh, incident that occurred, this dialogue that occurred between the messenger and his companions, we learn that the one that is, that is unable to do something from the acts of obedience because of his inability to do so, he doesn't have the capacity to do so, the ability to do so, then he should increase in those acts of obedience that he does have ability over. So for example, a person, he does want to give in charity, but he doesn't have the wealth, he doesn't have the money to give in charity. Then that person should increase in those acts of obedience that he is able to, that he is able to do. Number five, in this hadith, there is an encouragement to command with good and to forbid evil. That that is a sadaqah of a Muslim upon himself. Number five, in this hadith is an encouragement to command with good, to forbid with evil. And that that is a sadaqah of a Muslim upon himself. Number six, a person fulfilling his carnal desires with a righteous intention is a sadaqah upon himself. A person fulfilling his carnal desires with a righteous intention is a sadaqah upon himself. Number seven, murajaatul alim fi ma qalahu littathabuti fihi. Number six, don't hear it again. Who can repeat number six? Number six, a person fulfilling his carnal desires is uh, an act of charity upon himself. Okay? Uh, with the correct intention. A person fulfilling his carnal desires with the correct intention is a charity upon himself. If, yeah, if he does it with the intention of uh, keeping his, his wife chaste. We mentioned that in uh, part number three. Not it? Say part number eight. And part number seven. Murajaatul Alim fi maqalahu littathabuti fihi. A person rechecking. A person rechecking with a scholar concerning what he said. In order to verify it and, and be certain of it. Scholar says something person is unsure whether he's understood his statement correctly. It shows that this is something that a student should do. Check with the scholar 
what he's mentioned, with the fatwa that he may have given, with the advice that he may have imparted, as to what he actually said, so that you make sure that you've understood it correctly. Because the companions, Ridwan Allah Ta'ala alayhim, they said to the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, Ayati ahaduna shafawatahu. Does one of us fulfill his desires? وَيَكُونُ لَهُ وَيَكُونُ لَهُ فِيهَا أَجَرٌ And he is rewarded for that. And then the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, he confirmed this. So the point being is that, here we can clearly see that the companions, they made, they made muraja'ah, they, uh, they rechecked uh, the, uh, what the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam said in terms, in, in, as far as being able to ensure that they've understood what he said correctly. Whether they have understood what he said correctly. And number eight is Badr Qiyas. And here, alayhi salatu wasalam, he made Qiyas, he made a, a form of analogical uh, deduction, which is a principle from the principles of Rasul, Rasul al Fiqh. Yani the Messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam, he uh, affirmed the reward or reward being attained by engaging in intimate relations. With somebody that it is that is permitted for you to engage in uh, intimate relations with, as a, uh, as, a, as, a, as, a as an act of reward. Why? Because he made qiyas of it. He compared it to another action, which is a, which is similar to it. However, it is in, however it is when a person engages in intimate relations with those that he is not allowed to engage in intimate relations. And thus he is sinful for that. And from this particular hadith, the ulama have extracted a form of qiyas known as qiyas al-asr. Yani the analogical deduction that a scholar arrives at by comparing two, two things that are similar to each other, or essentially identical to each other, in their asl, in their source. One of them being haram, and the other being halal. In this particular scenario, person engaging in intimate relations with someone that he is not allowed to engage in intimate relations with would be haram. That very same thing then, if it is with someone that is permitted for him to engage in intimate relations with, then it would be something that he would be rewarded for. In the first scenario, he would be punished for it. And therefore the qiyas al-aqs, the, um, the opposing qiyas, the opposing analogical deduction is that he would be rewarded for it. And that is something that is discussed in detail in the matters of Usulullah. Tamam. Now we'll move on to the hadith, the Sadis wal hadith number 26. And this hadith is similar. It is very, very similar to the previous hadith. In it, the Messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam, he says, the hadith of Abu Hurayta, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, qala qala Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, كل سلامة من الناس عليه صدقة. Every single joint that people have, every single joint of mankind, there is a sadaqah, there is a charity that is due upon it. كل يوم تطلع فيه الشمس. Every day that the sun rises. So every day that the sun rises, there is a sadaqah, there is a charity. That is due upon every single joint. Bringing, up, bringing about reconciliation between two people. Yeah, two people that are 
disputing between themselves. Bringing about reconciliation between two people is a sadaqah. وَتُعِينُ الرَّجُلَ فِي دَابَتِهِ فَتَحْمِلُهُ عَلَيْهَا أَوْ تَرْفَعُ لَهُ عَلَيْهَا مَتَاعَهُ صَدَقَةً Aiding a man in his riding wheel by placing him on top of it or placing for him his belongings on top of it is a sadaqah. Again, aiding a man who has a riding beast. The riding beast, the, the man is unable to get on top of it. And we'll expound upon it later. The man is unable to get on top of it. You help him. You lift him up. You physically place him on top of his riding beast. Is a sadaqah. <coughs> and likewise, placing his belongings upon his riding beast is a sadaqah. وَالْكَلِمَةُ الطَّيِّبَةُ صَدَقَةً A good word is a صدقه a goodly statement is a صدقه وبكل خطوه تمشيها الى الصلاه صدقه and every single step that you make to the salah is a صدقه وتميت الاذى عن الطريق صدقه and you removing something harmful from the path is a صدقه and the hadith, hadith has been recorded by bukhari wa muslim so this hadith it is divided into three very brief parts and the third part as usual is a summary of the benefits so as for the first hadith or as for the first part concerning which Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Abad quotes a statement from the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam uh, found in another hadith in which the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam mentioned that there are 360 joints that a human being has. 360 joints that a human being has. And those 360 joints, there is a sadaqah, there is a charity that is due upon them. This statement that the Messenger والسلام, made, that uh, there are 360 joints that a Muslim has. We believe in this and we take this on board Regardless of what the scientists may end up saying. Regardless of what anybody else may end up saying. So if it is the case that the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, a general principle, that if it is the case that the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, makes a statement, a statement, and then later on somebody else comes along and says, well, our research, it contradicts what your prophet is saying. Our research contradicts the uh, uh, statement that your prophet made. We take this, we take on, we take the statement of the messenger alayhi salatu and we give no consideration to the statement that they made. So they may say the messenger alayhi salatu may make a may make a statement. A scientist may come along and he may criticize the statement of the messenger alayhi salatu and say your prophet's incorrect. He's saying such and such. Our research says such and such. No. The thing that yuttaham, the thing that is uh, upon which doubt is cast, is the statement of the scientist. Rather, the messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam, his statement, there is no doubt that is cast upon it. Because at the end of the day, whatever the scientist says, it is limited to his 
whatever tools he has to research. And it is limited to his limited intellect. Whereas what the Prophet ﷺ is saying, that is coming from Allah. Yani the reason why we believe in what the Messenger ﷺ says is not because he was well versed in the field of science. It's not because he was well versed in, um, uh, he came across many archaeological findings. It's not because he was well versed and he had in-depth knowledge and he had studied and received tuition in biology and no the reason why we believe what the messenger alayhi salatu is saying is because what he said came from allah and allah is the one that created the human anatomy and allah is the one that created uh, 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 the land and the sea and and everything that exists so therefore because it is the case that we have iman in the Messenger والسلام, receiving divine inspiration, then anything that he comes, we believe that it's come from Allah. And therefore whatever you give, and whatever you, yani the scientist, and anybody else gives that contradicts what the Messenger said, then that is the thing that, is, that, that, uh, that uh, doubt is cast upon. Unfortunately, we find some people that are educated in reputable institutes of Islamic education, but later on, after they study in those places, after they graduate from those places, perhaps it's by way of, uh, as a result of them uh, uh, having low self-esteem before the eyes of the disbelievers, that some of these people who receive Islamic education at orthodox Islamic institutions, once they come out from those institutions, Perhaps as a result of their influence from the kuffar, they end up being, they end up twisting the deen of Allah. They end up making excuses for certain matters in the deen of Allah. You have one individual who now is claiming that Ya'juj wal Ma'juj existing, ah, this is metaphorical. Ya'juj wal Ma'juj, to believe that. Ya'juj wal, wal ma'juj actually exist then uh, the way that this person was saying it is like he's uh, mocking a person's intellect like yani you have to be out of your mind to believe in ya'juj wal ma'juj why because we have we, we have now science has developed knowledge has developed We've traveled the world, we've traveled so much, we've seen so much of the world. And therefore, if Ya'juj wal Ma'juj did exist behind this wall, then surely would have, we, would have, we would have found them by now. This is only as a result of a person having this, yeah, for a lack of better terms, low self-esteem before the eyes of the kuffar. What is the knowledge that they have? The knowledge that they have, they have no certainty over it anyhow. The knowledge that they, they are muqallidun. Even the people in the universities, lecturers of microbiology and this, they are muqallidun. They are blind followers. They are blind followers of their figurehead. They have no yaqeen about what they, what they claim to have yaqeen of anyhow. Just recently, I think it was last year, or the year, or maybe in 2017, they found a massive, a massive cave 
the world, now it's the world largest cave in Vietnam. Massive cave. It's got a beach inside of it. Massive cave. And they never knew about it for centuries and centuries and centuries. That shows what? The knowledge that we have of this earth is very, very limited. And therefore the human being should humble himself. When he comes to realize that this man, he received divine inspiration. He came, his knowledge, the knowledge that he conveyed came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then a person, he should trust what the messenger alayhi salatu said. And anything that is said by anyone that contradicts what Rasul Muhammad ibn Abdullah alayhi salatu said is taken, thrown against the wall. That's very important to mention because you may find some people that may want to contradict the statements of the messenger alayhi salatu The messenger said that every single joint of the son of Adam, there is a sadaqah that is due upon it. Why? Because your joint, every single joint that you have, it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at this, what I'm doing right now. This, this scratching of my head. I cannot do that and you cannot do that unless you had these joints. These joints that you never ever think about. You're holding pens, some of you are holding pens. You can't do that without the blessing of, I don't know how many joints are there. With those few joints that are there. Those are, we can't do anything without these joints. That is the reason why, because every single day when we wake up, we're using those joints. That's why every single day when we wake up, there is a sadaqah, there is a charity that is, that is due upon this little joint here, and that little joint there, and these joints over here, and all of the joints, 360 joints that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, al-sadiq al-masduq, mentioned. 360 joints. One of the mashayikh, Sheikh Abdul Razak al-Badr, he mentioned that a um, long time ago he went to visit a person that was in hospital, a sick person that's in hospital. And this person, he was in Qism uh, al He was in the, de the department where, of burns, the burns department. Is that the best word for it? Burns unit. You tell I'm not a doctor. So, Sheikh Abdul Razak, he went to a Burns unit and there was a man, young man there, 20 years old. And he is physically incapacitated, can't move at all, can't move at all. And all of the features of his body, they were, they had changed, changed. And he had a mushaf in front of him. Sheikh Abdul Razak asked him, what do you do? And what do you do laying here? You can't move anything of your body. He said, I uh, wait for someone to pass by or someone to come and visit me. And then when they come, then I have to turn the page. That blessing of just being able to turn a page of the Mus'haf when you're reading the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even that you can't do it without the blessing of these masasir, of these, of these, of these joints. Another example that the Sheikh mentioned was um, they were in a gathering and there was a man there and that man was paralyzed, couldn't move anything. And then that man said to everybody else in the gathering, you people have a blessing. You people are uh, living a blessing but you don't realize the value of that blessing. This man is 
physically paralyzed, can't move his own, can't move his hands, can't move his feet, his legs, his body. And he says to the people in the gathering, all of you, you're living a blessing, but you don't realize the value of that blessing. He said, the, and what was that blessing? He said, I am unable to scratch an itch off my nose, off my face. That's a blessing. Imagine you have an itch on your face. And you're unable to scratch the itch or to, you know, to remove that, that itch that you have on your face. Imagine next time you have an itch on your face. Try to withhold your arm from scratching your face for 10 seconds. And it gets annoying, doesn't it? 30 seconds, a minute, it gets very, very irritating. Imagine, to, imagine being in that state where you've got an itch on your face, an itch on your eyes, an itch on your, in your nostrils. And for half an hour, you can't do nothing. You just withhold. Now you start to realize the blessing of that joint, the simple joint of your fingers by which you're able to remove that annoyance that you're experiencing on your, on your face. This, in reality, this health that we have, healthy joints, the ability to move these joints, it's a blessing. It's a crown. Health is a crown. It's a crown that we wear on our heads. Health is a crown that is perched on top of the head of the healthy one. But the only people that can see that crown are those that are sick. You have a crown on your head, but it's invisible. Nobody, you can't see it. When you look in the mirror, you can't see the crown. But the person that is sick, he can see that crown. Because that crown is a crown of health. Just that blessing of being able to itch your nose. That blessing. What type of uh, gratitude do we pay, pay to our Creator for it? For that reason, the Messenger said that every single day when the sun rises, then our joint, that is a charity, that is due upon them. And then there's another narration where the Messenger he mentioned, وَيُجْزِئُ مِنْ ذَلِكَ رَكْعَتَانِ يَرْكَعُهُمَا مِنَ الضُّحَى The hadith of the uh, narration of Sahih Muslim, where the Messenger said that that is and uh, you the, 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 uh, it is recom recompensed, for lack of better terms, it is recomp recompensated by يعني, the joints, the blessing of having those joints is recompensated by way of two raka'at, by way of two raka'at, two units of prayer that a person prays uh, in al-duha, the forenoon prayer. Two raka'at, a voluntary prayer that a person does at al-duha, forenoon time, that would then compensate for the blessing of those joints. Why? What's the hikmah behind that? Because when a person prays and he's showing his love, absolute unconditional love to Allah, he's showing his submission, absolute unconditional surrender to Allah. When a person is praying, then all of those joints are being used in those two units of, of prayer. And as a result of that, 
that the, that يعني compensates for those blessings uh, for the blessings of the masses of the of the Tamam, time for Isha has come now, so we'll um, conclude at that point, unless anything needs to be repeated or clarified. And Wallahu ta'ala a'lam wa sallallahu ma'ala nabiyyina Muhammad alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.